trash, much like this podcast. All right, give me a give me a countdown, Shark. A Trotskyist microsect where we plot to violently overthrow the leadership of the Democratic Socialists of America. I'm your chief Trotsky Pope, Aaron Simon, and wait, this isn't about that? This is a podcast about what? About how the right wing habitually co-ops and twists the meanings of everything from carvings and rocks to pop music? Well, okay then. Uh, again, I guess I, I'm, I'm stuck being Aaron Simon, but I, I'm here with two other people. Uh, who are you? I am the permanent co-host for the past like six episodes, Robert Sharkey. I am the one qualified to say the words pop music on this podcast. <laughs> like uh, you're, you're it's not, not Aaron that, Simon. Not how many episodes we put out, but <laughs> just standing in for six, several. I mean, I've been, I have not written an episode in the past six. No, yeah, that's, that's, been, I wrote the Shrek episode, actually. You wrote you, the Aaron. Shrek. <laughs> Don't diminish my accomplishments. <laughs> Now that I remember it. <laughs> Who's this other person? And I am Daniel Griggs. I am a casual observer and got roped into this because uh, it deals with some of my favorite subjects, uh, you know, runes and uh, cultural appropriation. <laughs> <laughs> Big fan of those. And, and if yeah, I, now your no. name is very familiar. Hmm. In I, I think you know I I I'm a big fan of this podcast if I do say so myself, and in all of the show notes uh, show notes I think I see your name I I did as contribute the uh, to music the... guy yes you're yes. the music man <laughs> that is me I yeah. I am the music man uh, yes both, no, the, both um, the intro yes. and outro to this podcast that is... <laughs> are the best parts of this podcast <laughs> I was like that's going to be my greatest contribution to this podcast <laughs> <laughs> so good yeah it's good stuff we always like it I mean I go to sleep to it every night I'm just sitting there going this is professional <laughs> but we're not here to talk about that we're not here to talk about all we're not flattering <laughs> Daniel. We're not especially not talking about your your forehead tattoo that says the music man. Right. <laughs> yes. Disturbing no. as that is. <laughs> to lead us in, I have a simple question. What are your feelings on the song Shield Wall by Amana Marth? <laughs> so arguably, I, I am not as familiar, uh, though I am seeing them in December. Hey, uh, you're going to that show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, sweet. Yeah. All right, cool. Bought we'll, tickets we'll, like we'll meet two up. months ago. Yeah, it should be a uh, should be a wild show. Could be a good. One. Um, but honestly, I I don't know because as much as uh as much as I have uh, delved into and been into the the mysticism and you know uh, uh, religion quote unquote of Norse mythology and such, I honestly uh, haven't really gotten into the appropriation on any side. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's like. So yeah, I've listened to Amon Amarth and I think that they are fun, but I've never listened to any of the lyrics because I, and I know this is not them, but more often than not, if you listen to a metal band and read their lyrics, the one that you do like, it's going to be racist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll be, we'll be talking about one dude in particular later on. Yeah. 
but yeah, yeah. Shark. I, I can, know can you sing, can, I was like, can you sing it for me? No, <laughs> maybe I can't I'd remember. No. I listened okay. back to our our, <laughs> our Bruce Pod episode and I, I thought I was doing like a Dave Von Ron Ronk voice, but it was still very like clean musical theater voice and i'm like i can't i can't do growl <laughs> after you singing that dave on ronk bit i have been listening to dave on ronk non-stop and my wife wants me to tell you that she hates you <laughs> <laughs> anything that fuels my desire to listen to unlistenable music <laughs> <laughs> that's fair that's fair uh i mean you know speaking of unlistenable music i know you're a big fan of death metal Shark. Oh, yeah. So what are your not, feelings on? I would not, for instance, say that Carly Rae Jepsen wrote the best album of the past five years. That would not be <laughs> an opinion that I would propose. <laughs> Big Amon Marth Stan. What, what's the what's the metal I, term the kids are using? I don't know that there is one. It's just head. You, yeah, add, no, you add yeah. head to the end. <laughs> yeah. mm. I'm an Amon Marth head. I'm a true cult for Amon Marth. <laughs> So, you know, one 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 commonality here is that no one is saying that it's an ode to white supremacy and Uber mentioned warrior king we know of. down no, from no. the north. It's it's probably not. I mean, it, it's, it, it's it, it, what it is about is Vikings in battle. Yes. And as Daniel was alluding to uh, with the, the foreshadowing of uh appropriation vikings in battle happened to be a huge huge draw for nazis and white supremacists in general i don't know about you but to me that's no surprise um after all <laughs> whomst among us on the left has not seen a tattoo of a volknut a giant gnarled tree or runes and thought is this person a nazi or merely a metalhead those are the Who's, three kinds of guys you always question. People with Norse tattoos, <laughs> Roman history fans, uh, and World War II aficionados. It's yeah, like people you're with, either one kind of person or the other. Yeah, but you're really like into Marvel Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, who's Yeah. So, you know, who has not had this experience? And who among us on the left has not heard? Uh, a little episode by a little podcast called The Right Can't Read, uh, their episode on metal, and thought, what a life-changing experience. Aaron Simon de deserves a Pulitzer and to not have to work in the tech industry anymore. <laughs> now, as we'll see throughout the course of our two episodes, two on Vikings, uh, the presence <laughs> of Aaron Simon to the <laughs> yeah. <producer. laughs> Remember how we are doing two, otherwise we will have rebellions on our hands, Shark. <laughs> <laughs> the presence of Norse stuff, whether that's like images of Yggdrasil runes, Viking flavored metal, or even, I don't know, a dude wearing a horned helmet. It's often a reason to be on your guard and at the very least uh, cast a withering side eye. It's going to be hard to do at the Amata Marth show because Rosalind is very dark. Uh, as we'll further see, this whole milieu is a huge bummer. Uh, but you know, this episode is not only inspired by my uh, my true cult status for metal. Uh, no, it, it, do you guys remember a little thing that happened on January 6th, 2021? 
sounds uh, familiar. Yeah, it was like a little yeah. little fascist. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah like I, a get together. Was that was in a, Washington D.C.? It, it was. It was a get together right out right outside the Capitol building. Um, you know, they they they. It was a it was a peaceful protest. Uh, merely a few cops were killed. Merely one only one person was trampled while waving a Gadsden flag saying, don't trample on me. And, and merely one person was going around with tack gear and zip ties hoping to. I'm, I, I'm fairly sure I only remember one Confederate flag. Only one. There were a <laughs> few good numbers of Christian Dominion flags. Uh, I've been assured by some people who make over a hundred thousand dollars a year, though, that it wasn't a big deal, Aaron. So yeah, you know, you're right. It, it was not a big deal. It was a little thing, just a yeah. a, a little thing. And I, I don't know. This is going to be hard to remember because it was such a little thing that made no impact on anyone. But do you remember a guy who was known as the Q Shaman? I, w- I want you to look into your mind's eye. <laughs> Go into the pineal gland in your head and recall his image. And if I you have, think, yeah, I think yeah. I saw him at the Amana Marth show. Might have. I think I did too. The last time they were in town, yeah, um, yeah. He was doing that thing where he was like throwing elbows in the pit, and then got real pissy when people like shoved him into the into the wall. Yeah, we, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so you may remember this guy had a couple of odd tattoos. Uh, one was a giant tree and one was a series of interlocking triangles. Uh, and those you see are associated with, uh, Norse mythology and Vikings. The tree is of course Yggdrasil, the world tree, which sits at the center of the nine worlds and which is host to, among other things, a very high energy squirrel named Ratatoskar. The series of triangles is called the Vulcanut. Maybe it's Vulcanut, I don't know. And is a symbol that archaeologists believe is associated with Odin. Uh, So to those of us who pay attention to this kind of stuff, not a surprise to see these symbols on someone who seemed to be patently insane. We have seen this guy in a mosh pit expressing the same behavior we just talked about. Uh, And indeed, this this whole spiel has been immortalized in a drill tweet. Uh, which is need to find out if the eagle tattooed to my son's chest is racist or normal. <laughs> uh, I really hope that that drill continues uh, despite the Elon Musk takeover. God, we'll if see. Elon Musk destroys drill, I will have to I will... actionable threat. Yeah, I will insert actionable threat. <laughs> so I I will say so uh, about. Eight years ago or so, I got a tattoo on my left arm, on the my left uh, bicep, that was in fact a Valknut, mm-hmm. and um, I had no no idea that it had been associated with like you know, right wing and Nazis and anything like that. And I mean, I'd kind of heard, and it was like, oh yeah, you know, that, that's that's such a, a far off fringe thing. And then on January 6, 2021, that big fucking tattoo right on his chest for everyone to see. And I was like, no, 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 no. It, it was very, very upsetting. It was one of those things where it's like, I have to wear long sleeves now. I, I can't. 
I don't want people to associate me with that douchebag. <laughs> like, well, you could just get. I could be associated with plenty of other douchebags. Yeah, but not, not that, that douchebag. You could yeah. get another tattoo that's that's got like an arrow going to it, and then the words, "I this is a cool one." I swear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could turn it into like three Christmas trees now, or something. <laughs> yeah, you know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe just a paragraph of text about how. Uh, yeah, and no long explanat, you know, explanatory <laughs> asterisks at the top of the tattoo. Yeah. Yep. yep, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> See, like we're talking about this, and we know that y- there's there's history and depth to this, but to the the public at large, who are presumed. Whoa, hold on a second. My door just swung open because of the wind. I love Oops. this apartment. <laughs> Barry looking incredibly concerned. <laughs> Do not go. let the outside world into my home. <laughs> How dare you? It's okay, bud. Actually, speaking okay. of which, I'm going to open my door. Nope. <laughs> Oddly enough. Pause. Uh, well, I mean, we can yeah, we're good. Going, I guess. We're good. I don't just, know. All right. Just this door. Okay. This okay. Door. Okay. So, you know, we're, we're talking about all this. We know there's context there. But to the public at large, presumably not deranged or, uh, you know, not like, you know, like us, don't spend their time obsessing over these sorts of questions. This is a bit of a quandary because people might see your tattoo and go like, oh, he's one of them when you're not. And you don't have the paragraph of text yet. So it's it's then you have to corner them on the street and it's it's a whole thing. So this this all resulted in a few questions asked here and there. Uh, a pretty lazy Rolling Stone article made the rounds. And then eventually things just kind of evaporated away. And I think most people have kind of forgotten about the Q Shaman fight. Or at least, you know, for a while they did. And now they kind of have. But for a little bit there, there was a, a thing that happened at that year's CPAC. And the world was treated to some sweet, sweet discourse. TMCR. See, the stage at CPAC bore a striking, almost as if it was purposeful, resemblance to the Otala rune. Now, this rune has meaning that I'm I'm not sure of, but I think it has something to do with property. It was also heavily used by the Nazis, who slapped a couple of seraphy bits to it. Uh, There was an article in Forward about this. Uh, The Nazi party employed a variant uh, of the rune with added serifs, or feet, as the symbol of the SS Race and Settlement Office, as well as a division of the Volksdeutsche, a movement of ethnic Germans who lived outside Germany and did not hold German citizenship. Now, is it possible, in the grand scale of the universe, and all of the potentialities therein, that the CPAC organizers accidentally chose a specific design that just so happened to be linked to the Nazis in this way? Eh, no, I, I don't think so. I think it is uh, much more likely that the rune was choos- chosen as the stage design by organizers of a hyper-nationalist right-wing organization as a near-explicit link to fascist anti- anti-Semitic ideologies. I, uh, I I concur. I don't know if you guys saw, um, maybe it was a month or so ago, but a bunch of casual shares of a specific kind of a, a meme was actually like three hooded kkk members but like apparently oh no one even knew and it was like a, you know yeah they they well i didn't see that so yeah i didn't i wasn't intense you know intentionally sharing kkk propaganda and it's like ah <laughs> yeah, you were you were you, <laughs> you were i think I, I saw an article today about like um uh, Kyrie irving Oh, was apparently like sharing some like anti-semitic video online and refused to apologize for it so 
we're all doing great. Yeah. Um, but really, you know, in since... one of it, a tweet that I thought yeah. of you and what will happen to you at some point in your life, Aaron. Did you also see Kanye's deranged anti-Semitic rant? I read bits of it and I was yeah. like, I don't want to deal with this. <laughs> there was a staffer who worked for, I think, Ilian Omar, who threw it up on Twitter and was like, the thing about this Kanye rant is that his delivery is so incredibly Jewish. <laughs> And then people in the fucking corporate media were like, is this kind of kind of thing you think is funny? And he had to be like, no, I don't think so. No. Kanye West well, it's, I, I, I feel bad for funny. any staffer with Omar because like she can't say a damn word without like the no, email no, flipping out and be like, she hates us. It's like, yeah. We're not talking about that. I think AD, the ADL <laughs> might be a good episode of how the Jews ruin Jews, but we'll, <laughs> we'll do that at a later time. So, you know, both 2021 and 2022, real red letter, red letter years for Nazis. Um, they love the 20s. Yeah, it's it's they really we, do. Since <laughs> since all of this, indeed, since I wrote the script and was trying to make a joke, and now it doesn't feel good to do that anymore. We've seen more and more hard right groups just pop up and do some just attacks on you know Muslims, Jews, drag bunches, brunches, trans kids, anything in their line of sight that they don't like that's not trad life. We've seen Sonnenrads spray painted in public areas all over the fucking place. Uh, you, and if you don't know what a Sonnenrad is, well, it's a symbol with with ties to Germanic sun wheels. The thing that makes the Sonnenrad unique is that it was created by uh, Himmler's little friends, or Hess, Hess's, one of the H guys, one of his <laughs> friends. And if, you, if you're wondering, well, Aaron, come on, it's just a sun wheel. How can you really make this claim? Well, look at it and you'll see that where like the rays are on a normal sun wheel, uh, those are actually SS runes. So you got a bunch of SS runes all throughout this thing. That's not your, that's not what you should, that's not the hill that you die on, man. That, that, that's Nazi shit. There are SS runes in there. My point in all of this stuff is it's right in front of our nose, noses, eyes, whatevers, and it's getting more and more so every day. If you live in a medium to major sized city, you will probably see some fascist graffiti or stickers. Part of this whole struggle against it is to know what to look for. Another part of the fight is to help people reclaim these symbols, much like Daniel in his paragraph long tattoo explaining <laughs> how the Volknut is really okay. Uh, in my opinion, there's a lot of value in celebrating cultural history. For me, that's eating bagels on Shabbos. <laughs> For other people, that's wearing Mjolnir as a spiritual icon. You can't give ground on this stuff, but in order to not give ground, you have to know a little bit about where it all comes from and why it gets co-opted. Now, one of the reasons I asked, for, asked Daniel to join us uh, during this chat is because throughout the course of our friendship, we've shared a few things. One a deep and encyclopedic knowledge of the pre-Disney Star Wars universe. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> Two, we both have very good dogs. Oh, that is a fact. <laughs> and three, as you may have picked up, we both have appetites for music that is often what, what is branded extreme metal. And, uh, you know, I, I touched on this in our metal episodes, but broadly speaking, extreme metal is stuff like death, black, and drone metal. In many bands and extreme metal, one often finds references to Norse mythology. 
whether that's Tears' very name and all of their albums, or the aforementioned Amon Amarth song, Shield Wall. Or just Led Zeppelin. Or just song. Led Zeppelin. Yeah, Immigrant Song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, a, I, I think, Shark, you're going to have to correct my, my terminology, but I think that song can safely be described as slapping. Yeah, it does. It does a slapping. It it, uh, it does. <laughs> yeah. It does a slap. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does a slap. It's slooped. I yes. think is the, is the is the past tense. Yeah, yeah. And there's another dimension here, uh, because Daniel is the creative mind behind the music project Fall of Odin. It's a really solid EP that you should check out. It's on Bandcamp. Now, Daniel, do you remember when we were at a deli and he got real weird about all of this? You started sweating and twitching and repeating, I'm not a Nazi, Aaron. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, 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 the sweating might have been a little uh, due to the uh, to the food we were eating. No, it was not. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of meat at that deli. It was a lot of meat. It was a lot of meat. Um, no, I mean... So I have always, all right, let me kind of frame it in a way to where I still apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my my wife does a lot of social justice work and, uh, and I have um, always, I've always valued, uh, I think, I mean, ultimately I would actually, hmm, all right, I'm going to have to start that over. Long story short, let's say this. Um, A white guy getting into white guy stuff looks very white Um, (laughs) guyish. When, you know, it's like I am a six foot six, uh, you know, blondish, blue eyed male. Uh, I and where did you go on your vacation the last time you took? We went to we went to Iceland. We yeah, we, yeah. We, we went to Iceland. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we definitely visited. You know where the the Eddas were written, the the, um, yeah. the poetic and uh, uh, prose Eddas. And I mean that. I mean it was a trip of a lifetime. You know it was like that was. And I am. I've always had an interest in the the mythology of it. You know, it's like um, I. The idea of of the, the the Odin figure, the idea of the Christ figure, the idea of the sacrificial God, you know that kind of thing. That's just that always it's been fascinating to me. It's like because people want you know kind of a a relatable God that still is outside of their abilities. You know, mm. it's like not everyone is going to be able to sacrifice themselves for something else, you know, especially for something as broad as like, you know, salvation or, you know, knowledge and wisdom, you know, it's like, these are lofty things that sacrificing yourself for is a, is a hard thing uh, for regular human beings to do. So we idea, you know, idealize these, these figures, but uh, you know, looking at kind of the Norse mythology aspect, it's, in its own way, because I, I was I was raised Christian, so it's like I grew up in, in a lot of the church, and and I grew up with a lot of the uh, um, kind of anti factual <laughs> you know, aspects of the church. And I'm like, you know what? If I'm gonna believe, quote unquote, in something, I want to believe in something fun. I want to believe in something that you know. It's like I have you know heretical ties to, and and you know, and and that you know is is fun <laughs> world trees great you know yep. it's like 
eight-legged horses fantastic you know that kind of stuff ravens wolves giant snakes you know this trolls. is this is trolls frost giants this the entire idea of it all is is way more fascinating than you know uh almost any other religion really <laughs> the only other one i think that would kind of rival it is hinduism hinduism is is ridiculous with their gods and all that hinduism's stuff. got a lot of cool shit in it yeah. which also got co-opted with the fucking swastika so it's like yeah. you know well, that, even on on a more boring <laughs> level uh western astrology took a lot from oh yeah oh yeah 100 just new age yeah movement. Hmm. Well, and I think that that's that that's kind of the uh, you know as far as the the co-opting aspect, it's like it's it's one thing to to actually have a historical you know uh, interest and a and a and a genuine interest in something that you know you connect with or whatever, and it's another thing to just uh, you know tattoo a velcnit on your on your chest because you think it looks cool, and you know what these other guys who I hang out with really like it too. You know, it's like, oh, it turns out those other guys are pretty nutty. You know, they like they like doing Nazi shit. Oh, so. boy, they're just so yeah. nuts. <laughs> well, hey, guys, what are you going to do this weekend? You want to go storm a capital? So, you know, it's like it's it's I think the casual kind of aspect of it um, is is silly to me. I, I think that the also, though, and this is where I'm going to apologize for it, <laughs> you know, me, me getting into something like this, or or even if it was Celtic, you know, stuff which I've I've studied Celtic mythology and stuff like that too. You know, there is there is an element of over romanticizing yep. a a traditionally white culture or something like that. You know, something that that was that was not true <laughs> in its own way. Viking history is actually pretty nutty and and pretty um, uh, diverse as yep. far as that goes. But um, you know, just kind of the thinking of like. You know, oh, you identify with this Germanic group. I mean, you look at, you know, Wagner, you look at, I mean, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And Nietzsche, you know, it's like they idealized these, you know, pure, you know, primal beings, you know, whether it was the 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 Vikings or whatever. But it's, you know, so that's the apology. I'm like, I, I don't want it to look like I... Uh, you know, don't understand the 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 context of and and the, kind of all stuff. of this is in the liner notes for Fall of Odin. It, it, yes, yes, yeah. it's actually what I tattooed on my arm. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah. No, the, the, and the Fall of Odin as you know, it's like that. That for me was blending several different types of of music and several different types of ideas, and you know, I I, I read you know, six runes and I, and I wrote a song a month for each rune. So six months from solstice, summer solstice to winter solstice. And, uh, you know, it's like, and I, and I, you know, studied this, the particular room for a particular month. And then I wrote a song about it and, you know, it's like, it actually turned out way more co cohesive than I would have expected given the kind of context of that. But, you know, it was a blend of, of folk and metal and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's all instrumental except for some, you know, Nordic, uh, pieces here and there but um you know it was meant to express the idea of the rune you know it's like because the runes aren't just you know random symbols that you know nazis can co-opt they actually do have meaning you know within a uh i mean and there's a lot of other stuff historically about that too but um you know they do have a, a traditional kind of meaning behind each rune 
And there are also those things that you socket in items in a specific order in Diablo 2, Throne of Bale, <laughs> which is yes. my only context for runes. <laughs> so again, I'm really glad that you're here because, uh, you know, I, I invited you because you, you've got a lot of opinions on this stuff. Uh, you you know what runes are. And uh, so that that's, I, I hope you're psyched. I'm psyched. Shark is vibrating just with excitement. <laughs> Uh, so for my part, you know, all of this, my run-ins with this stuff, like Daniel, to a lesser extent, often do with my interest in Norse mythology. I, I read Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology. I read Which a is fantastic. bunch of North, Norse mythology books when I was a kid. I played Age of Mythology, the video, the strategy video game, which is very good. God of War. God of War. I still haven't played that one. It is on my wish list on steam uh, i started it and i have not uh made it past the first chapter because it was way more complex than the game i was playing previously yeah <laughs> and i was like I, I i need to learn i i've also <laughs> um played interactive documentaries like assassin's creed valhalla and yes <laughs> for my money in terms of historical people who get labeled as either like proto-Nazis or the ultimate goal of the Nazi genetic plan, there is no comparison to the Norse. Which I think is like such a straight, like, <laughs> never mind. Nazis don't oh, know I got pages. My, I got pages on this. Yeah. We're going yes. into archaeology, yeah. my yeah. friends. <laughs> I was about to fucking, I'm sure, talk about some of the stuff you're going to talk about. Yeah, well, so. you know, I, you know what the next sentence is in this script? What is it? So, comma, friends, comma, what do you two know about the Vikings, question mark? <laughs> I got into a very funny debate recently. You know, the, like, weird fucking losers who are like, it doesn't matter how you identify. In 2,000 years, an archaeologist dig up your bones. Then they're going to know if you're a man or a woman. Do you know that particular <laughs> brand of online lunatic? <laughs> It, well, it, it reminds that I don't know that brand of online. Oh, yeah. But I was like, to, today I learned everyone uh, dug up is neither male nor female. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah. It, well, it's, it sounds like people who just don't know what anthropology and archaeology yes. are. <laughs> and there's a truly great show of that because one of the main Viking burials they dug up in Victorian times, and they were like, this dude's got like, a big axe and he's buried with a horse and this is so fucking metal. He must have been a great warrior. Girl. <laughs> Recent discovery. Fun stuff. That's fantastic. Yeah. And like Daniel, you 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 know a lot about this. Out of, out of the shelves that we can see in the background, how many are dedicated to Viking books? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um <laughs> If you don't count the Norwegian books on the top, <laughs> well, I mean, contem yeah. contemporary writing, okay, uh, by contemporary Norwegian authors. Oh, I think uh, I know yeah. what you're talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we don't need to get. Into we don't that. need to go into that one. <laughs> That's a different subject altogether. That's a different subject. <laughs> I mean, it's not, but it kind of is. Yeah, it's actually re-co-opting, which is a weird thing. <laughs> We're not. Yeah, skip. No, skip. no, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> skip, skip, skip. <laughs> uh, the. Second to top, the one below that and the one below that are all um, uh, having to do mostly with, uh, you know, either Iceland or or Vinland or um, Viking sagas and such. I actually have, um, I just got back, you know, as we mentioned earlier from Iceland, 
And I actually have an Icelandic version of the Prosetta uh, that I got at the Snorri Sturluson Museum in uh, in Iceland. And uh, I don't know how to read Icelandic, no. but uh, I hear it's beautiful. <laughs> it's it's a it's a language that has different letters so you can't just yeah. stumble your way through it even that's yeah yeah um, no it's but i mean yeah the, the, i mean i have jr um you know i've got tolkien in, in there i've got the norse yeah. mythology by neil gaiman too which actually yeah. the audiobook is the best he reads it amazingly yeah, i've got that it is um yeah he he explains these are stories told over campfires when you're experiencing 24 hours of darkness you know it's like yeah. <laughs> That there's a there's a the Norse mythology being spoken out loud as as these larger than life stories, you know, are meant to be enjoyed. You know, it's like like that. And they had to entertain themselves. I mean, it's, it's again, yeah, 24 hours of darkness for months. You know, that's a that's a lot of dark, <laughs> much like Michael Crichton's Eaters of the Dead, which must be read aloud, really. It's uh, it's yes, that's the next shelf down is all Michael Crichton. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's it's funny you're talking about the uh the the Icelandic version of the the Prosetus. I a, a friend of mine gave me a I don't know why uh he where he found it, but it was a Hungarian translation of Sholomalekum's oh. like Tabia <laughs> the Dairyman stories. So that's the that's closest a- I have to to going into the roots. In a, uh, in a that's fantastic. Yeah, it's cool. It's, yeah. So all right, overview. Chime in when you feel like it. Broadly speaking, the term Viking as used popularly refers to Norse culture from the 800s to the 1100s. Again, after that, generically speaking, the applicability starts tapering off of Scandinavian people adopted Christianity and more continental European feudal societal traits. Geographically, the people we refer to when we say Viking came out of Scandinavia mainly Norway, Denmark, Sweden, and through a series of explorations, invasions, raids, trading, etc., spread out from Scandinavia to what is today Russia, Ukraine, the British Isles, Iceland, France, Italy, and here and there, the Balkans. And briefly, Canada. Yeah, briefly, they wound up in North America, up near Newfoundland. Uh, and yeah, occasionally you get like these articles of like runestone found in Oklahoma, but it's Newfoundland. Uh, don't believe those stories. That that was a bored Swede in the 1800s carving in those rocks. More specifically, the term Viking was specifically applied to warriors and raiders. The term, it is thought, comes from an old Norse, Norse word, vikinger. Uh, if you've experienced the highly accurate historical interactive documentary Assassin's Creed Valhalla, you probably know all this. These Norse groups were warriors, explorers, and traders. The Vikinger aspect of the culture was only one facet. They developed methods of shipbuilding that allowed them to travel across great lengths of seas as well as continental river systems. Doing so gave them the ability to connect to lands far away. They built a trade settlement system and network. Uh, along nearly every major river system in Europe, establishing settlements in the British Isles, France, Sicily, and uh, they held significant presence and influence in Constantinople under the uh, Byzantine Empire or the Eastern Roman Empire or the Roman Empire, however however cheeky you're feeling. Uh, (laughs) The problem with studying the Vikings, though, is that they did not tend to have written, written records of their culture. 
from what we know, pre-Christian Norse peoples relied on oral traditions to pass along their stories and histories. The exceptions to this are runestones, monuments carved in large stones that often detailed conquests, mass conversions to Christianity, or battles between kings. Fun yeah. fact there, yeah. uh, evidence of uh, Vikings at the, uh, is it the Hagia Sophia? Is that the name of uh, yeah. the church now? Yes. Um, there are Viking runes carved into a banister on the second level of this <laughs> yeah, church. This is they got bored. And, uh literally it says half dan was here it's like it's literally like a graffiti little tag that he just says half dan was here because i can imagine him i can i can see this warrior being you know conscripted into some you know douchebags army you know his his little his brangian guard and he's you know supposed to be protecting him but protecting him also means going to his church so he's sitting there through this three hour long you got to stand you got to sit ceremony and he's just carving away (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and, and that i love that yeah. i love that <laughs> it, it's yeah that's that's how you that's one of the reasons you can track uh their movements across europe and like the middle east to some extent is, like, they all got bored <laughs> just like carving shit into, into walls yeah. uh, it's good stuff people never change <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> so if you've studied the Celts and their religion at all which daniel has uh you you kind of run into a similar dilemma a lot of what we have to rely on are findings from archaeological digs or outside accounts. Findings from digs are wonderful because they are firsthand accounts that can point ha- point us in general directions of beliefs, can help us identify timeframes through use of carbon dating and the like, and can frankly humanize a very academic study. The catch about them is that it relies on being able to surmise and, de- and deduce. You can make educated guesses on what people believe based on what you find in excavated ruins or graves, but you won't know for certain. So what we can tell from the Vikings, from archaeology, and we'll get into some other sources in a little bit here, is that they believed in some kind of afterlife. They liked their weapons, and they ranged far and wide. Evidence for the first and second bits, pretty non-controversial. You see Norse burial mounds ranging from Scandinavia to the British Isles to North America to the Baltic. One of the most famous of these burial mounds is the Sutton Hoo site in England. Uh, this gave us a great picture of what the Norse thought was important to take with them when, when being buried. And from there, we can extrapolate some information about what they as a culture valued. If you're interested in this and didn't read about it in high school, you can find an almost infinite amount of books about it in your local library. Or you or, can watch or it. come visit me. Or come visit Daniel. His address is. Yes, uh, please. <laughs> or you can watch a thoroughly mediocre movie called The Dig about British aristocrats doing British aristocratic things while dreading the onside, onset of World War II. It's not that great of a movie. It's very mumblecore. You probably shouldn't watch The Dig. Ray Fiennes is in it. Yes. He did so a, a big I, fan I, of Ray Fiennes. He played a mediocre man, so yeah. it w- made sense that he did a mediocre job. Yeah, no, I, no, the acting. I think was he, fine. Did fine. It's just he did fine. He did fine. It's the script and it's just dull. Yeah, Meh. he did come out as uh, pro J.K. Rowling, though. Oh. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, <laughs> can't uh, win them all. I guess I don't know what that. The you have to, reaction you have to immediately that. stop liking him. Yeah, yep. an opinion right. you didn't like, Aaron. All right, I guess you're right. <laughs> I think uh, it was this, Ray Fiennes. I don't know which of the Fiennes was Voldemort. I was like, more like Ray Fiennes. That was Ray Fiennes. Yeah, that was Ray Fiennes. 
<laughs> well, maybe maybe the way we should degrade Ray Fines is say Ralph. Ralph. <laughs> it's Ralph. Fiennes. Ralph Fines. Yeah. He actually went by Ralph Fines for quite some time. I'm sure. Yeah. As yeah. credited, you know, it's it's Ralph. Yeah. You say it's pronounced Ray Rafe. With an with an F. Yes, Ray. <laughs> the the second bit the 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 Vikings ranging far and wide is where things get interesting. You see, everyone can basically agree on the fact that Vikings went all over the place. Again, Europe, North America, they dipped their toes into Asia Minor as mercenaries and guards for the Eastern for you know Eastern Roman Empire, Byzantines, Roman Empire, the Greeks. I don't know what people want to refer to them as. I've been playing a lot of Crusader Kings three lately. My mind is just weird right now. But what gets interesting is when you consider the impact that this had on the Vikings as a culture distinct from a purely Scandinavian people. If you listen to the right wing to any extent about this stuff, you'll get the sense that these deluded fools, and I'm going to start calling them Draugr for the rest of this episode. Uh, you'll get the sense that these Draugr really need the Vikings to be a race of pure-blooded ubermenschen who never bought, brought foul, non-white blood into their gene pool. It's something that gets brought up a lot in kind of a mask-off sense by folks like Varg Vikerns or Stephen McNallan of the Isatru Folk Assembly. The fame thing soldiers never do. Fuck. Never. Yep. Never. Not, not ever. They are always no. chased for their trad wives back home. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> <laughs> And we'll be diving into Varg and McNallan in depth in our part two of our chat. But for now, suffice it to say that their worldview, uh, A, sucks, and B, (laughs) does not permit the possibility of tolerant Vikings. The trick is... No, No, you go ahead. No, I I know what we're going into, but I wanted you to... Yes, let's let's keep going. Okay. Um, The trick about all this is based on what we see in archaeological finds, the Vikings were very tolerant, a.k.a. they like to fuck. In evidence of this, I point us to a report in Eureka Alert discussing a study done in the journal Nature. The authors based the findings on a study of, quote, cutting-edge DNA sequencing of more than 400 Viking uh, skeletons from archaeological sites scattered across Europe and Greenland. To put it succinctly, the study's focus spanned the, bre- the breadth of the Viking Age and found genetic markers in, in remains that point to a richly diverse population makeup from just about everywhere the Vikings touched. This meant, according to evidence, uh, A, they fought. We're all Vikings. B, <laughs> we're all Vikings. <laughs> and C, you could see Southern Europeans mixing with Scandinavians wherever trade routes took you. The study showed intermarriage with other populations and pointed to the Vikings mingling pretty freely on a large scale uh, with the people they encountered on their travels. They were also willing to welcome outsiders into their own culture. More broadly speaking, what this means is summed up by Kat Jarman of the, I guess it's Jarman, of the Oslo Museum of Cultural History, who said, uh, these identities aren't genetic or ethnic, they're social. To have a backup from backup for that from DNA is powerful. And I think that's huge because like the whole like social aspect of cultures is not really talked about when there's discourse happening. People tend to just kind of go with well, genetic. and a lot of that a lot of that is because they did not have the written records. You know, it's like well, yeah. there wasn't any kind of you know uh, uh you know structured identifiable, you know, it was just like we we saw where they 
where the Vikings went. You know, yeah. we know kind of what they did, but that's it. We don't, I mean, so the belief structure itself of, of Viking, you know, uh, culture, um, Snorri Sturluson is mostly responsible for this uh, for this belief system, which was written in the the twelve hundreds. So this is you know hundreds of years after the you know the archaeological Vikings you know actually went out and raided and the you know the great uh, heathen army and all that. But Snorri Sturluson himself was a chieftain in Iceland uh, who had converted to Christianity. Iceland itself had been converted to Christianity in about nine nine ninety nine thousand A.D. Um, so there is debate and, and, and legitimate debate on how much we really actually uh, attribute the Viking history of, of, of their culture and social and, and you know, mythology to a, an, a Christianized interpretation of what already existed. So, I mean, you know, yeah. you still got Thor, you still got Odin, but now these gods are have a little bit more of a uh, different meaning, you know, Odin stabbing himself in the side with a spear and hanging from a mm-hmm. tree. Sounds pretty Jesus-y. You know, it's like this. Yeah. And we're going to, we're going to touch on Balder as well in a little yeah, bit. Absolutely. Like the, absolutely. The idea that he might not have actually been a, uh, a figure in the, the, and that's, and that's pre-edos. just where it gets hairy. This yeah. that's just where it gets hairy about trying to, you know, uh, uh, prescribe and ascribe uh, certain, uh, yeah. You know, I don't know the the kind of a, a fundamentalist aspect. You know that a lot of you know right wing, you know highly Germanic whatever kind of thing. It's like they you're 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 pulling just, from a complete you know fabrication of what actually yeah. existed. And you're not really approaching know. it at a, like an analytical <laughs> no perspective. at all at all, like like at all. It's complete, uh, yeah. yeah absolutely. And you know this discussion, the importance of this is not lost on modern practitioners of heathenry or paganism or what other whatever term you'd like to use for it. Uh, one guy who says a lot about, you know, kind of the thing that you're saying is um, a guy named Carl Siegfried, who uh, is described in a write-up I found from the Atlantic, uh, which reads, he takes inspiration from the social justice oriented Catholic theologians of the Latin America of Latin America, who created liberation theology in the fifties and sixties. He's a goatee or roughly speaking, something equivalent to a rabbi. It's uh, not a priest, but someone who acts in a position of being able to advise co-religionists and speak with authority about the central bits of a faith. It is, before we go any further, important to note that there is, at current, no central authority in paganism or heathenry, and it is a very individualistic practice, even more so than than Judaism or a lot of mainstream religions. But for now, let's talk about Siegfried's comments on the finds we were talking about earlier from nature. In a comment, a column on his website, The Wild Hunt, Siegfried writes, quote, There are many ways to build diversity, but the simplest is to do what the Vikings did. We must leave our comfort zones and safe spaces, go to where the rest of the world lives, and welcome a diverse range of people into this thing we do. There has been a concentrated effort to poison the phrase affirmative action, and I've seen prominent promoters of, quote, inclusive heathenry revert to white nationalist talking points when these two words come up together. Yet we mostly all agree that this is a religion of deeds, and I hope we agree that affirmative deeds are preferable to negative deeds. Let's move past the propaganda, uh, propagandistic rhetoric and focus on direct engagement with our neighbors that builds diverse communities in our, rel- in our religion. 
Over the past decade, American heathen organizations have made clear efforts to make themselves more welcoming to uh, LGBTQIA plus individuals, including reassessing their theologies and ritual practices. The result has been that a broader representation of sexualities and genders are now publicly visible in these groups, including at clergy and leadership levels. With that experience of positive organizational change leading to welcome demographic change, what can U.S. heathen organizations do to emulate the Vikings as we now know them and embody an ethno-racial diversity that lives up to the promises of this nation? What changes can be made to what we say and do that makes heathenry more overtly welcoming to a more broadly defined range of people and more celebratory of their presence? And most importantly to us here, to, to you know, this, this chat, he takes a look at why this is important in the first place. Why, in other words, the Draugr, the right-wing knuckleheads, try to lean on the image of them repli- replicating a Viking lifestyle. Siegfried writes, it's not only the neo-Volkish versions of heathenry that fixate on our glorious forefathers as arch-heathens who shared a worldview that the contemporary American practitioners of post-1972 heathenry must honor as a sort of aspirational platonic ideal. There's a widespread widespread obsession with origins, with antiquity as a marketer, marker of authenticity, and with more supposedly undiluted purity of the long-ago time as more true. Scandinavians of the Viking Age are hailed in ritual as ancestors who fought wicked Christian invaders in oppositional narratives, sometimes veering into condemnation of desert religions that shares rhetoric with anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. And I think that hits it on the head. The central reason uh, a lot of people look back on the Vikings as a model for religion or society at all is this obsession with origins, with antiquity as a marker of authenticity. More specifically, I think it's that question of authenticity that we have to really talk about in order to get why this is something that people are willing to fight about. Yeah, I think that gets into something that I'm always really interested in. And yeah. Daniel touched on with the guy who wrote down the eight us being Christian is that like when you spend your life studying classics, you inevitably have to confront the question right. of these guys would fucking hate me if they met me. <laughs> like yep. across the board, pretty yep. much. Whether yep. you're talking about Plato and Aristotle or the people who wrote the Bhagavad Gita or um, Sun Tzu or insert culture here, it's the divide is so much wider than like could possibly be imagined. It's hard to contextualize how long a hundred years is, let alone a thousand, mm. let alone two thousand. Like it's an impossible project to claim authenticity for that reason. Yeah. Well, and actually, that that brings up. I mean, not necessarily even related to Vikings, but um, you know, Jean Paul Sartre wrote Nausea, which was almost exactly about that. The main character, you know, is writing a biography history of somebody who existed prior, and it's all about the authenticity of it, and, and how can he, you know, know any of that, you know, when he barely knows himself, kind of thing, and it's like. And, and, and trying to be able to, to be your authentic self, I, I mean, that, that Sartre at least, you know, kind of expresses, which I think the Vikings did too, because, I mean, if you think about, you know, a lot of their, well, let me start with Sartre then. It's, uh, you know, he, he's basically saying it, the, the past doesn't necessarily even matter. You know, it's yeah. like that kind of aspect. And, and the Vikings thought the same thing, you know, in a sense. It's like the past wasn't there to be, you know you know, dug into and, and, and researched and analyzed. It was like, no, right now, right here is, is the actual moment. You know, there is no future. There is no past. There is the moment. 
And I think that uh, in general, I think that has a, a broad appeal, you know, to a lot of different people, yeah. you know, kind of, uh, but that, I mean, and that is the irony though of, of, you know, 2000, you know, years later or whatever, you know, people kind of uh, associating with something that actually didn't exist, you know, yeah. but they, they want to mythologize their own mythologies. You know, it's a, uh, it's yeah. yeah. That was, I mean, uh, not to be like, yeah, you first, well, not to be a, as Jordan Peterson would say, postmodern neo-Marxist. But um, <laughs> there's like this idea. I mean, Sartre's a great person to bring up for this because I think it is like a historical existentialism in a sense. Yeah. Like you can't, there's no there there. History is a right. story we tell ourselves. Like believe yep. in the history that provides mm -hmm. you meaning because that's what you're going to fucking do anyway. Everything else is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like, exactly right. I, I've been watching this uh, video series of uh, like lectures by a uh, historian and kind of consultant guy named Timothy Snyder, who does a lot of like focus on Eastern Europe. And the video series is uh, the making of modern Ukraine. And it he's it's like at Yale. So the semester started in September. And it's uh, the first lecture is just kind of like setting everything up. And one of the things he's hitting on is like what the, the, the conflict in Ukraine right now is a clash of two narratives, two mythologies about the same region. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's that thing of like you the people need a mythology to latch on to. And this can escalate into the sorts of violence that we're seeing now. Well, and the irony is the Vikings founded that yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, exactly. tie, to tie it back in. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, all this whole thing was founded by a Norse dude with a Bulgarian name of Vladimir. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, it's it's all just a big soup, the human soup. And so as part of this human soup, this whole obsession with origins and authenticity and everything, you know, we're already talking about it with whether you can really trust the Edos because the, the author was a Christian guy who was trying to mythologize his own thing for his own benefit and, and power structure while drawing on presumably some older, older sources. He was, he was the Michael Crichton. He was Iceland. the Michael Crichton. <laughs> yeah. He was yeah. the Michael Crichton of Iceland. Uh, and for like and, anyone who doubts the like radical effect that someone trying to like honestly do good classical yeah. work, but like the effect that just being a person, the time and place can have, like no one needs to be talked about more in all this than like Plato is such yeah. a great example. Like ancient Greek dude who we lost pretty much all of his writings of that got translated into Arabic, then retranslated from Arabic by Christians. Yeah. And you get these like, you'll be reading Plato and you'll be like, wow, man, if you read the wrong translation, you'll be like, wow, man, this guy really like, Christianity really ripped this Loves guy God, off. God, yeah. You, yeah. You flip to the back <laughs> yeah. and it's like, oh, the translation guy named Michael Jowett, who's a Jesuit priest, he existed in this time, yeah. and he just made God. Like, and he was like a devoted classicist who really yeah. tried. And it's like, this is why the liberal arts are important and <laughs> yeah. and why I go to bat for studying in university because you're not going to, you're not going to, it's going to be very, very hard to pick well, up on all this stuff on your own. <laughs> And that and that is exactly kind of the issue that we're talking about is 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 people who don't necessarily understand, you know, the 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 context and the history, you know, just see something and say like, oh, yeah, that's Nazi or, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, 
that's Nazi and I like it. That's Nazi. Give me more. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, and, and, you know, there is no real context. There is no real like historical perspective or, yeah. you know, critical analysis or, you know, even translation analysis, you know, that none of that exists in, in just the, the propaganda or the, yeah. you know, the, the immediate messaging of, of Again, I mean, shitheads you know, who want to, who want to go, you go back yeah. to the the current war in Ukraine and like you, you see missile strikes hitting central Kiev with um the 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 cathedral in the background it's like yeah. that that cathedral's are you know rebuilt of like an a, a Norse Christian church mm-hmm. and yeah. layers and I'm like I've been on that hill there's a big statue of of Vladimir with like a big cross <laughs> looking over the river to the east. And it's like, there's all of these layers of myth. And it's like, we can't answer these questions. And we're kind of talking about them in, in like almost an academic theoretical way. But for people who really truly believe that they are worshiping Thor or that they're receiving blessings from Freya, uh, these are really important things <laughs> for them. And they have interpretations and are willing to fight for them. So it, it it just so happens that some of these people are welcoming individuals who see the world's diversity as something to be celebrated. And some of them are Draugr, who sometimes get released from their deep crypts, a.k.a. mother's basements, and decide to shoot up a synagogue. Yeah. Now, all of this about paganism and Valhalla and Ragnarok and Snorri Snorris, and it's all very important. So we have to spend a little bit more time, even more time. <laughs> Going into what we know or think with great certainty about what the Norse believed and how that relates to what it is practiced today. Context. One of the sources, aside from archaeology, for our our knowledge of the Norse belief system, by extension, the early Germanic belief system, is Roman authorship. Kind of going back to what you're talking about with like play unbiased source, the Roman yeah. oh, completely, <laughs> completely <laughs> unbiased, and it yeah. specifically refers to people like Caesar and Tacitus. And uh, yeah, you you can't escape the Latin bias. But here's the, the just German- kind of a, a oh, yeah. precursor. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, kind, yeah. Of, kind of a yeah. to, to pre all this um, context for the context. Yes, context <laughs> for the context. The the interpretation of of viking you know vikings to romans and to so, uh, yeah. many outsiders in a lot of ways and this but especially kind of the uh greco-roman is you know kind of this savage warrior and yeah. this and that and then if you actually look at archaeological digs you see these fancy fucking combs these like you know grooming <laughs> yeah. grooming kids they bathed yeah. like daily it's, it was like um, this you know, yeah it's like so yeah it's just, the, the romans yeah. painted everyone the greeks did it too like They're anyone dirty that was savages not or yeah yeah <laughs> uh and yeah there's a uh, there's a book that Crichton based his Eaters of the Dead. Are you of. serious, Michael Crichton again? Well, no, but no. The book is 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 uh, was it like Voyage Along the Volga or something like that? And it's mm. it's written by an Arabic uh, court courtier who's going to establish a trade mission with uh, the Volga. Oh, oh no, it's not the same one. That the longships. No, no, that, that? that's that, oh, that, man, yeah. That's, that this is actual nonfiction. Like this is a okay, travel okay. journal. Okay, so the was guy. the Longships. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Longships is fantastic. That's a good it was one. actually written at the time. <laughs> it was contemporary. <laughs> Angry Jews included on the boat. Yes, <laughs> it's a wonderful book. <laughs> uh, but no, the, I mean the the travel journal is like yeah, talking about 
it's the same thing that the Romans were doing. Like you, you have these Vikings on, um, I think it's, it's, it's the Volga and the author is this, uh, very educated dude from Baghdad who is painting them as these unwashed heathens who are just committing vast acts of heresy in, in, in God's full sight. And he's like, I just want to be done with this. I want to be back to Baghdad where people are not doing what these people are doing. But yeah, it's like they had fancy shit. And like they and to, and to be fair, the the uh they were probably more clean than the Vikings, for sure. Yeah. But like, I mean, if you look at actual like kind of uh other Roman uh, you know areas at the time, they were pretty, pretty dirty, despite yeah. the uh the the fantastic sewage system. Oh yeah. Now yeah. it's like one of the things that's like complicated specifically about Romans and Vikings to to pull us back into the into the context is uh you know, in addition to painting them as bloodthirsty barbarians, they kind of graft Roman gods onto Germanic gods. So you have like Caesar and Tacitus writing about Hermes cults in Germany, which is obviously not correct. <laughs> so it's like you have you have historians kind of have to play this game uh, of like, well, what what god are they referring to, and what traits could they match it onto? It's so, the same thing with Jack Kerouac and a lot of his books. You got to figure out who's, you know, Allen Ginsberg this time. <laughs> who's Gregory Corso this time? I don't know. Yeah, it's, the, it's the same kind of thing. Same thing. Same thing. So, <laughs> Daniel, as our resident Northman, I would like you to give us a, a high-level overview of what some of these beliefs are that, that the Vikings might have held. Yeah, uh, well, some of the main ones, uh, you know, that again, this is all relatively conjecture in a sense. So I'm not. I'm just going to start by saying this is what is agreed upon, not necessarily what is um, or what was. But um, you had a, a pantheon of gods that actually mingled within the realm of man. Um, you know, it's like uh, Odin disguised himself as a poet or a beggar or a, you know, a traveler or a wanderer and would, uh, would walk around Midgard, which was, you know, uh, earth and, and mingle with, with, uh, the people. If you now, want to get into creation is earth because it's, it's a planet and the Norse were gods on another planet called Asgard and there, uh, yeah, Chris Hemsworth well, was and Thor. Hemsworth. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Space and ships. if you remember how dare all you gods have abs. You're thinking Richard Dean Anderson. The Asgard's are little yeah. gray right. people. Yeah, you're Come right. That's, I should have gone with that. Why didn't I go with Stargate? <laughs> Fuck, I should have gone with Stargate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if we, it, there's, I mean, they have their own specific origin, you know, story as well, like creation story, um, you know, about blood and semen and you know it's a it's a it's a fantastic origin story but as far as like you know what they kind of believed in their day-to-day lives you know um you know because there were priests you know that 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 actually knew those backstories of of the of the creation myths and all that but you know as a day-to-day person you would know that um it is better to die in battle in and in glory than it is to you know to die of old age or to die a coward or you know this or that and when you died you would uh be welcomed by the valkyries into valhalla and, and valhalla where you would basically wake up drink and eat 
go fight each other, die and wake up again and drink and eat and then go and fight each other and then die again. And it's this, uh, this, this glorious repetition of, of finding new ways to, uh, kill and be killed. (laughs) Um, but I mean, and that, and that would kind of be almost the extent of the daily, you know, everyday person's knowledge of, of that kind of stuff. You know, it's like, and they would know who Thor was, they would know who, you know, Odin was, they would know who Freya is. And, and, um, you know, that was, there's kind of a main three or four kind of, uh, and you see this uh, displayed in runestones, like you were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. You know, these runestones reference specific gods, you know, it's like, and actually sometimes even the Christian god, which is, you know, fun too. Um, but as far as just kind of the day-to-day Viking, it's like you would have maybe a a, a god that you would, you would pray to, yeah, that you would wear an amulet or, you know, or the Mjolnir, you know, kind of uh, necklace and, um you know, tattoos were actually uh, prevalent in that time as well. So it's like you might have a tattoo that relayed your connection to this God or protection from that God or whatever. So, um, I mean, the kind of the day-to-day belief was was pretty kind of practical. You know, it wasn't some sort of God will save me. You know, I should pray to God. And like, you know, it was the gods are neither good nor bad. They kind of are just there with us. And they're also good and bad, and yeah. we're good and bad, and they're we all people just are kind of at a different through. level. Yeah, yeah, that's that's almost it. You know, yeah. they were supernatural, so to speak, and could do supernatural things like fight yeah. giants and whatever. But it, they weren't, you know, some sort of like devil and 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 yeah. you know god kind of thing. It was it was much more complex than that, and they were seen as as more of a of a fellowship and communion with them as opposed to like a, a worship and praise of them. Yeah. I think kind of like the one takeaway would be that the Edos is not really, it's not like the Tanakh or the Christian. No, Bible. no, not at all. It's, it's like yeah. a view of cosmo- of cosmology. Of well, the- and there is, I mean, there is a, the, uh, the Havamal, which is the, uh, the sayings of the wise one, you know, it's, it's Odin yeah. sayings that are kind of like a, a book of Psalms where, or a book of Proverbs That's kind of thing. why they keep calling Odin that name in, in the interactive documentary <laughs> Assassin's Creed Valhalla. What do they call him? Uh, Javi, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's, it's the name of the yeah. book, yeah, basically. Okay. Or a reference to. I didn't know that, and I really want to play that game, to be honest. I don't know if my PS4 would be able to handle we, it. We, we, should, we should meet up at the deli at some point, okay. and I can tell you okay. the pros and cons like of experiencing yeah. the interactive documentaries. I finally just started playing Black Flag, you know, obviously the uh, <laughs> the, the pirate documentary. For the sake of time, I gotta skip. I gotta yeah, skip. sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, and so they do have kind of like the, the book of sayings, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, when somebody crosses your front door, you know, do this when somebody you know so there are some a little bit of like uh, uh relations yeah. to to certain aspects of of you know the quran the bible you know the tanakh but at the same time it's nothing like that at all yeah. <laughs> you know it's a unique thing that is not an yeah. abrahamic religion and it's not like the same as other pagan religions. yeah definitely. Uh, which is going to be important so pin a, put a pin in that uh because we're going to get back to that with one of our shitheads so all of this, this question of like authorship and authenticity and yada, 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 poses a problem for the people who practice the uh, form, any form of paganism today. Without a clear picture of what the Vikings believed at a, at a quote unquote authentic state, uh, yeah, much less one that is not translated into writing by a Christian, uh, you get some gaps here. 
uh, several organizations and loose schools of thought have kind of cropped up since at least the 70s to fill in those gaps. And this is not intended to be an exhaustive list of those organizations, and it is not an exhaustive list of what those people believe. But it does have what we're going to be talking about has a lot to do with what we're going to be talking about next. So listen up. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> organizations like the Asatru Folk Assembly formed uh, in Iceland, a specific name for the, the religion, Asatru, became a gathering focus for people. Some other people chose to worship Odin specifically and became Odinists. Others decided to take a broader scope and coalesced under reconstructive heathenry in an attempt to look at, at source material and determine what the original practitioners believed. Now, there are articles about, yeah. yeah. Are, you, are you saying religion gets complicated? Yeah, I know. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. Nah. Despite, it's all it, very simple. I, I feel like, <laughs> I don't know what order we're going to decide on putting these out, but just refer to our, our new atheist discussion whenever that comes out and whenever this, who knows. There are articles <laughs> about those efforts and sources <laughs> as varied as the Atlantic, the New York Times, and various think tanks. <laughs> for a movement that is described in the Atlantic as existing in about a hundred countries with an estimated following in the tens of thousands, you can probably imagine how messy it gets. It gets complicated. Uh, one of these articles, unsurprisingly in the Times, finds a likely, <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about this, this is great, finds a like, likely a uh, guileless, reedy, Putz of a reporter. I imagine him just in like in like a cardigan, wildly unprepared for winter in Iceland, uh, just attending a ceremony in Iceland. And and there he asks the practitioners, pra practitioners, but are you Nazis? <laughs> <laughs> Love the New York Favorite Times. Thing about New York Times reporters is that if you're ever at a place where one of them is also hanging out. They are immediately the most identifiable person in the whole world. Yep. <laughs> yep. Like, oh, you are from the East Coast. Well, and they and they probably saw Midsummer. And <laughs> I think this article came out before Midsummer. Okay, but and I, I was going to also say no, no, it came out after Midsummer. Other. It was after Midsummer. Yeah, no, but right. what was also yeah. what was also the movie back in the twenties that basically twenties. Uh, that spurred the the kkk was that the oh birth, the birth of a nation. nation birth of a nation they watched both of those back to back and just I'm, I'm i'm you know what i'm going to iceland i'm gonna figure this out <laughs> i'm gonna crack this case <laughs> so the, this 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 putz got the response i am so sick of these questions <laughs> and this yeah. this was said by Stel, uh stenar sonveg the uh spokesman of the pagan group the nordic Asa community. Is it Asa or is it Asa? It's Asa. Or Asa. I mean, to be honest, it's either Asa or Asa, really. All right. Um, we'll go yeah. with Asa. Yeah. Uh the chant that uh this reporter had witnessed uh was explained by Mr. Sunveg as it, it has nothing to do with the Nazis, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> the chant he was referring to sounds a lot like Heil. So you can imagine this idiot. Who has no conception of the meaning of things outside of a narrow worldview informed by Midsummer and Birth of a Nation? <laughs> <Birth of> a... <laughs> Thinking that he stumbled upon a bunch of Nazis. 
And Raiders of the Lost Ark. And Raiders of the Lost Ark. (laughs) Now, there's a lot to talk about on the European side of these things. But for our scope and for the sake of sanity, we're going to limit ourselves solely to the American interpretations of heathenry. For a lot of this this episode and next one, I'm going to be leaning on the work of Carl Siegfried, who we were talking about earlier. But there are a lot of accessible sources on this topic. Uh, One guy I found is a YouTuber who goes by Ocean Keltoy. Uh, he is a friendly bearded man who likes him some puns. And uh, he also gets into uh, some baffling arguments with internet atheists about anti-theism. It's something to watch. And he Can has you, uh, a lot of repeat, patience. Repeat his name one more time. Ocean Keltoy. And it okay. is K-E-L-T-O-I. Uh, he's got some good stuff on there. I like him. Uh, So, to be brief and probably flawed in regards to the genesis of the modern Norse heathen movement, we start in the 70s. This comes out of a time of New Age wonkery and influence by folks like Aleister Crowley. The pagans of the 70s experienced a split into two parts. One part was the sort of pagans you wouldn't mind hanging out with, the kinds who function well in in normal society, albeit a little weird, and have neat tattoos. Uh, Daniel. The other kind, <laughs> the you. other kind are the Volkish type. Now, the Volkish type are most notably represented by the Asatru Folk Assembly. We'll get into them more in detail in a little bit. But for right now, we're going to turn to Siegfried, who tells us, uh, as part of an article titled "Articles of Faith," quoting: "After the split between Volkish and not racist." Not only were individuals and writings able to for, to move like freely. a clear thesis, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right from the start, I like it. <laughs> uh, not only were individuals and writings able to move freely between the various branches that grew from a common racist trunk, but not racist practitioners did did and do use concepts either created by the first Volkish American heathens or imported by them from 19th century Romantic nationalists. German Volkish mystics who influenced the Nazis, and actual Third Reich occultists. There remains to be written a detailed academic study of today's American heathen theology. So if you're looking to get a PhD, there you go. I'm thinking More. about it. Yeah. <laughs> every, every time I have a day of seven hours of meetings, that's what I think about. Uh, more broadly, the article is a piece about the ownership of symbols associated with that specific brand of paganry. He quotes, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, Helga Hladgerder, Luther's daughter, a lecturer. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Nailed it. A lecturer in uh, Icelandic at University College of London who said, quote, that the symbols are owned by no one and explains some of the elements in play. This is a cultural heritage, but even so, some, uh, but even so, something that is very much of a thing of the past and in no way alive in Nordic cultures today. Where these symbols, uh, where these symbols have gained new lives, is in congregations and kindreds of neo-pagans, and there, symbols such as the Thor's hammer have absolutely new importance, a religious importance similar to the Christian cross. But this is not a cultural heritage, and I've never been able to accept arguments to that direction. What I'm hoping you're getting from this brief discussion is that in in an atmosphere of open interpretation and a lack of strict religious importance to symbols, and further, in an atmosphere where there is no desire for a central authority to define tenets of faith, the ability of groups to define what they believe is difficult. 
and it is even more difficult to determine who is welcome and who is unwelcome. This is, I think you're getting, ample room for the right wing to start spreading its influence. See, even in the most open-minded and welcoming bits of this sort of heathenry, there's still the reckoning of dealing with symbols and stories that were used and embraced by the Nazis. This is what Sigrid refers to when he says, practitioners did and do use concepts either created by uh, the first Volkish American heathens or imported by them, but from uh, 19th century Romantic nationalists, German Volkish mystics who influenced the Nazis, and actual Third Reich cultists. It is looking from the outside in a battle for optics. Siegfried is aware of this, and he says in another article titled The Viking Age as a Model for Diversity, it's long past time to stop pretending that we don't recruit people into the religion. Of course we do. Whether in social media groups, at public events, or in private conversation, we talk to newcomers and help them over the hump from newbie to practitioner. We are modern people in a modern religion that looks to, looks to the past for inspiration. So let's be honest about what we do, embrace this direct message from the past, and turn from inclusivity to diversity. So, we're leaving this off at a point where modern heathenry is facing itself in the mirror and acknowledging that there is a capital Nazi capital problem. This leads to folks like our friend Dr. Dr. Siegfried encouraging his co-religionists to confront the problem head on. To their credit, some groups in heathenry have taken the first steps to do so. The Asatru Fellowship in Iceland created a statement to this effect, which says, in part, quote, we particularly reject the use of Asatru as a justification for supremacy ideology, militarism, and animal sacrifice. Wait. And, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt right there. Yeah. Animal sacrifice was absolutely a thing. Yeah, but what they, <laughs> the modern. No, I, I, yeah. I, I know. The modern. Yeah, I just, I just. Again, modern religion for for modern times. (laughs) And yeah, Uh, a veritable heathen horde has signed on to something called Declaration 127, which seeks to isolate the Asatru Folk Assembly, which again, we're going to get into our next episode, from the rest of the community. Still, the question remains, is this enough? Is it enough to merely put out statements online? Should the groups be more active in engagement with non-heathens? Should they, in fact, do exactly what the racists do? Build local trust, show up to farmers markets with their mead and put on a nice face on the movement? Of course, my answer to that is yes. I am, however, not a heathen. I'm a vaguely atheistic Jew with a strong Zen influence on the way that I perceive the world. Frankly, I have no say in how heathens talk to each other or about each other. I do hope, however, that they do the right thing and confront the bastards wherever they show up. So, we're going to close out with a couple of questions. The first is, uh, do you have any thoughts on what we've seen about contemporary heathenry? And second, do you have any predictions on what we'll see when we get into the weeds about fascists and mythology? Who wants to go first? I'll, I'll kind of speak to a little bit of it in in the sense that I at one point, because um, I've been studying runes for for years um, and Norse mythology for longer, and I at one point was talking. I'm not 100 percent sure if uh, my wife and I were married yet, but I had uh, I had talked about possibly looking for a local uh, heathen chapter or or, or a Sratu or, or you know something like that. And uh, I strongly 
strongly uh, said no after a little bit of digging, just a little bit. And, and not necessarily because of their beliefs and not necessarily because of the outfits that they wore, but I more just realized like the, any kind of modern interpretation of, of a religion like, like Norse mythology. And I mean, it's like, again, I don't even necessarily call it a religion, even though I, I can say I practice it or whatever. Mm. Um, it is a mythology, just like all mythologies, you know, it is a, it is a uh, belief system that you choose to enjoy and I don't let it dictate my life in that sense. Um, and because of that, it's open to whatever I say it's open to, to, you know, it's like, and in, in to that going back degree. to that individualistic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think that it was highly uh, appropriate for them to be practicing like that. You know, there wasn't some organized religion of, of Viking religion you know it wasn't a religion it was it was an individual belief and you had your individual gods and you had your you know the, the, so to, to even kind of congregate as such um is almost counter to the the kind of ethos or the kind of uh you know the the manifestation of what it initially was anyways have, have i ever told you the deserted island joke i don't think so this guy gets marooned <laughs> on a desert island and he's there for for months, bordering on years. And eventually, you know, he's got a signal fire that goes up in, in this boat passing across the, the horizon sees it. And they go in to rescue him. And, you know, they, they, a couple of guys get out on the boat. They find him. And he's built a little like kind of little, little, little space for himself. Right. So he comes out to meet them and the, the people are like, this is amazing. We're so glad you survived. We didn't think you were still still alive. But we have to ask. Why did you build two synagogues? And the guy says, Well, that one I go to, and that one I won't set foot in. <laughs> and that's the vibe I'm getting from this. It, it, I mean, that's kind of it. It's, it's, um, you know, if you want to cosplay as a Viking, if you want to, you know, uh, go through ritual, rituals are extremely important for humans. You know, they, they really are. Rituals, yeah. you know, help kind of reaffirm and help uh give faith to the hopeless you know whatever you want to uh um you know call rituals or they're just addicts in that sense too it's like people do if you grew up christian in my sense you know it's like and you need something to replace it with you know whatever but it's like if, if you if you want to do all those things great and do i think that the modern heathens and the modern you know uh uh you know practitioners of astrotu and whatever uh should include more people, 100%. You know, it's like, do I think that any kind of group that excludes based on race if, or, or based on uh, gender or, you know, whatever, it's like, yeah, you got to knock that off. That doesn't make any sense. And that's pretty ridiculous because, again, the Vikings fucked. You know, it's like, we're all Viking. So there shouldn't be any, if, if you want to say, oh, you have to wear the robes and you have to cosplay and you have to learn Old Norse. It's like, okay, that's a little more, you know, kind of, uh, niche to your subject you know it's, it's, it's going to be that okay so yeah maybe you exclude people because they refuse to learn old norse whatever but it's like you know for for any kind of actual if you want to call yourself organized religion uh i think that that aspect of, of modern day esratu and whatever you you have to you have to uh pr not prove because prove is a is, is kind of not the right word but basically prove that you're not a nazi by not being a nazi you know yeah. it's like you've got to show that you are inclusive you've got to show that yes okay you know 
we may stand for these things that are made up, but we also have a level of real values. And these real values include inclusiveness and they include, you know, uh, anybody who who's interested, you know, it's like, it shouldn't yeah. be exclusionary uh, based on, on. You know, this all ties into like, you know, you're talking about organized religion and it makes it, it really drills home why it's so goddamn hard to get a good campaign going as an Asatru character in Crusader yeah. Kings 3. Because yeah. <laughs> you can't go feudal until you're part of an organized reformed religion. And in order to do that, you got to get all the holy sites. And those are all over the fucking place, man. It's a pain in the ass. Which is actually the ultimate problem with the Vikings, which is why, you know. We, we don't really uh, have them I mean, as a religion. I don't, I don't. Yeah. I mean, seriously, though, like, I don't know that you can say that it's a problem with like, because it's like they, they were masters at adapting to a culture. Right. Yeah, it's like 100%. the whole thing about the Rus was like they they started as kind of like trade barons. And then we're like, oh, it's a lot easier to establish these trade things when you just adopt the culture of people around you. Absolutely. And no, and that, and that's and that's exactly it. It's just it's there was no um, exclusivity to their beliefs and culture. There wasn't anything like that, and that didn't exist in their mentality. Not even just like they chose to not do it. It's like that didn't exist, you yeah. know. And and so yeah, it's it's hard to not have that kind of ex- existing fundamentalist view in our day and age. You know, yeah. it's it's almost impossible for somebody to, to be raised without any kind of fundamentalist perspective on some sort of religion. Even if you're atheist, you're fundamentally atheist. You know, everyone gets gets tainted by absolutely evangelical absolutely. Christianity in this country. And it's and you're thinking about if you're thinking about 700, you know, 800 AD in the middle yeah. of some fucking mountains, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. in 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 Norway, it's like. Yeah, they, they it was like a Native American, you know, oral tradition, yeah. and it was like you know they they didn't believe in that aspect of of uh, the, of the fantastic of documentary that came out earlier this year, maybe maybe late last year, uh, the Northman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Directed by famed documentarian Dave Eggers. It was, Dave yeah, Eggers. So, yeah, yeah. So, how about you, Shark? What's your uh, what's your takeaway? What do you I, think we're gonna we're gonna find as we? really get into the filth because <laughs> we haven't even we haven't gotten near the filth yet i think there's like this is all it all really makes me think i like can't stop thinking about pursuing other well but like much better documented classical traditions mm. and just like i think about the rome guys <laughs> <laughs> they're like, everywhere like <laughs> all of the founding fathers, for instance, yeah. were big Rome guys. All of the French yeah. revolutionaries were big Rome guys. Do you, what, what's been your experience with like, not even nowhere near radical people, but like just your your average just fucking asshole being like, oh, well, America is just like Rome. We're really falling. We're hitting the same points. Launch them did. into the sun. <laughs> <laughs> I keep running into this and I, I'm like, you there's a much easier touch point, much more modern, and it's Weimar Germany that yeah. you could be referring to. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> we're not like Rome because we're nowhere near as no. interesting. <laughs> well, it's just it's such a weird, it, like, oh, God. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Who, like, literally thought they were gods, essentially, and were willing yeah. to kill every single fucking person <laughs> in the whole world. We just now, I, I think if if uh, you know Biden were to appoint a horse as counselor, yeah, I think that, that would be fantastic. Yeah, 
Um, but I think like I, as a person who went to Christian seminary and has gotten into paganism and has done like a whole variety of things religiously in life, because I don't know, I get bored. Um, <laughs> there's this split that I always come down to where like I'm getting into a religion, I'm really learning it, I'm really loving it. And then I hit a point where I start interacting with orthodoxy yeah, of any right, kind. Right. Yeah. And I just like, Go, it drives me nuts. Whatever yeah. I hit that point, whether it's it's happened to me in Judaism, it's happened to me in paganism, it's happened to me in Christianity, it's happened to me exploring Islam. And there's these people who are like, <clears throat> I talk to something that nobody can see and yeah. that has no impact on the world. And he told me four things that we always <laughs> have to do. And it's yeah. like, holy fuck, my guy. Like, yeah, can you not like can you? Just like have fun with it. <laughs> the dipic of a dead rabbi appeared to me and told me that we need to take our our culture to a different. Yeah, it's it's yeah. just and chill it's just, the fuck out, man. <laughs> and anytime you hit that orthodoxy person, it yeah. scares the shit out of me because there yeah. is something bad is about to happen in whatever room you're in. When yeah, someone starts like yeah. having those hard and fast it's, opinions. It's the Rasputin glint in their eye, right? It's like, yeah. oh, this this guy's gonna try and either fuck or kill me, and yeah. I don't want either of those right now. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. I think that's I think that's exactly right. It's uh, you know, and again, what I was talking about earlier, it's also coming from you know Christianity into into more pagan heathen, you know, kind of aspect. Which so did Nietzsche, for that matter. He was yeah. balls deep in seminary, yeah. but um. <laughs> You know, it's like it's it's when when you kind of realize that religion itself is is a framework of I know this is going to sound shitty or cliche or whatever, but it's a framework of control, man. You know, you <laughs> know, I mean, it's like it's a drug. It's Maybe almost it's like, like it's an opiate. No, but it's almost like that opiate is blocking the reality sensors <laughs> to to freedom, internal freedom, to, to removing your chains. Yeah, and and I mean, and and yeah, basically, you know, the, the the dogmatic aspects, the fundamentalist aspects, no matter which religion you get into, uh, breaks down. You know, the kind of freeing, fun aspect of. You know, it's like Spinoza in, in, in that sense. You know, it's like Spinoza was like, yeah, all right, whatever God it is, it's everything. And that's awesome. And it's amazing. And it's like, yeah, I kind of actually agree with that. It's Did I like, tell you about that uh, that thing I found a while ago about like a, a researcher was doing a doing an article about Spinoza and was trying to get access to the synagogue that he, he used to go to oh, yeah, in Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah. And the, 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 the one he got excommunicated from. Yeah, yeah. And the yes. shul said, no, Spinoza <laughs> was an apostate, and so are you. You are banned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the guy that's scary. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, think there's this um, yeah. professor of mine who, um, when I knew him, was pretty hardline Jewish. He became hardline Jewish because he had sex with one of his students who was hardline Jewish. And so he uh... <laughs> That's a terrible side note. <laughs> well, I'm sitting in a Bible class with him, and he says that um, the Old Testament is one of the worst books to go to if you want answers. You'll start doing horrible you'll shit. You'll go to that for answers. Yeah. He says you should always go there to ask questions. Yeah. And that's like, <laughs> I think perfectly summarizes everything I feel about holy texts. Like if yeah. you come out of there with answers, you fundamentally terrify me. 
Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. I think I told you that yeah. the, uh, I was so Yom Kippur passed recently and I was just like flipping through my little copy of the abridged Talmud. And there was a bit about like, uh, two rabbis are in, in a room in, um, Baghdad. And, uh, this, this other guy comes in and he's like, I think I'm going to, going to tell the authorities where, where my straw is. And the rat, the, the main rabbi is like, don't do it. And the guy goes like, I'm going to. And so the rabbi slashes his throat <laughs> and kills him. And they have to like bury the body. And the whole takeaway is like, don't narc. It's just like a weird segue in in a a, a discourse between a bunch of rabbis about Yom Kippur. (laughs) So, again, it's, yeah, the the Jewish texts are kind of odd to go to for answers. Well, and that's what I was talking about earlier. It's just like, you know, having been raised in in a fundamentalist kind of you know religion and this and that it's like once i kind of realized that that was more or less like helpful suggestions on how to live a morally you know good life for this or that then i wanted to pick the best funnest one and it was like norse mythology is is fascinating it's It's the led zeppelin (laughs) it's the led zeppelin of religion that's 100 percent that yes <laughs> Get the Zep out. What do you want? Store. Is it going to be what Sunny and Cher or Led Zeppelin? Yeah, Come you're going to get the lead out. You're going to go with Thor, man. <laughs> and I yep. think like one of the most interesting ways this comes up for me is I like know a lot of people who are big fans of what I'd call Western Eastern mysticism. Yeah, yeah. And it's yep. like it's the same process of like. It's just flattening history. Like there's so yeah. much going on. There's so much happening. Orthodoxy is absurd. Everyone's disagreed about everything forever. We I, I, so, well, I keep circling back to the same point, but yeah. no, I mean they they went through all that kind of stuff with beat generation and and Buddhism and stuff like that. And it's like honestly, I think they kind of had the right idea of Buddhism. You know, it was like in this sense that like it wasn't about the fundamentalist aspect. You know, it's like if you want to write a haiku, it doesn't um, the American haiku is in a sense just as good as as the oh. you know the buddhist haiku yeah. that's that's more what i mean it's just okay. that that kind of not the actual translation of zen buddhism into okay. american zen buddhism not that not that <laughs> okay i mean right. more right. i mean more like the loose like hey let's get yeah. high and talk about you know yeah <laughs> that kind was of stuff. a huge fan of getting high oh yeah he <laughs> was he was the biggest pothead yeah, uh, yeah i guess yeah. that's my whole point is like be that person get super high with your friends on the back porch and be like what do you think about god and man? just ask questions <laughs> that's exactly. actually the whole fucking point yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that really is it and it's like oh man do so he lives you know so imagine this tree right and there's <laughs> nine worlds in this tree and there's goats eating the rooftop and raccoons and snakes it all comes from the blood and jizz and yeah. ice and tears of a giant, of giant. yeah it's just so cool that's so fun <laughs> exactly <laughs> meanwhile it's playing in the background actually i mean if you've got wolves in the throne room playing in the background yeah. that works too you know it's like yeah. there's there's a lot of good good yeah. metal that goes along with norse mythology yeah. uh and again also as a just as an asterisk on that be careful read the you lyrics. gotta be careful I mean, just, <laughs> just listen to our metal episode about how every time i find a new band i'm like are they nazis yeah and yeah. it's especially black metal that gets real sketchy real fast real quick and my one well, rule for double checking any religion is if anyone tells you you have to wear a specific kind of hat at all times <laughs> <laughs> 
be incredibly See, that's yeah. that's, that's what just, you know it's about yeah. to get bad yeah that's what i was talking about earlier about finding like kind of a pagan group or an Esratu group yeah and i'm like i don't i, I don't want to dress up I don't, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. can't the i can't I just show what i'm wearing like, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah. I, I i know yeah. a few other pagans around here and i don't know they're they're that was one of the main takeaways that I got from talking to them about all this was like, yeah, it's just the groups around here are either they're just, yeah, yeah. they're too like, we got to do things this way. And it, it's, and, and again, ritual is important. Yep. And if it was like, you know, yeah, Halloween, you know, sure. Let's all dress up because that all makes yep. sense. You know, let's dress up in, in crazy robes and this and that. But, um, you know, it's like if it if it's like, hey, every time we get together, we're gonna dress up in our robes and this and that. I'm like, uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, let's just uh, you know, let's just drink mead and and yeah, ask questions. Speaking and, of mead, I got my mead right now. Oh, uh, see, I was, yeah, I did, I, I went with a cider. Weird. Yeah, I went with a cider. Have oh, you, you know have, what? Have I should have gone down. This is a this is a plug yeah. for weird. Oh yes. It's literally a, a block and a half down the street yeah. from where i live and i've only been there once and that's a shame that's Wait, shame you're on only me. a block and a half from there yeah it's right on Holgate, and i'm on i'm on gladstone buddy i know buddy I know. all I know. right well that's gonna be our next hangout listeners if oh, you yeah. find yourselves in. in redacted you should go to weird <laughs> leatherworks and in and meadery it's a great place Oh yeah. yeah, I don't know. Is that backwards? That's no, backwards. that. He's, he, Daniel is holding up Viking yeah. blood, right? It's by right. Dansmjold. 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 Well, I feel like that's a good place to leave it off for for episode one. Um, we we've we've chatted a lot about context, a lot of heavy context about what's going on with contemporary heathenry now, where Vikings came from. The fact that they they were pretty well not not cool because they did a lot of like burning and raiding and all that stuff, which is, does not there, really there was, qualify as cool unless it's there was still slave trading here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but uh, you know, for their time, they were very cool. So I think that's a good place to end episode one. When we get back, we're gonna really have a sad time. So I hope you're <laughs> you're excited for that, listener. I am. Woo. Was this halfway through the script? This is halfway through the script. Jesus fucking Christ, Aaron. <laughs>